Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday service. Today I'll be reading the scripture Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. If you wish to follow along, you may open up your Bible. I will be reading from the NIV version, but you are welcome to read from whatever version you are using. So, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Where am I? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the reading of God's word. Thank you. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this, and some of that zeal was in Richard right there. (laughs) Thanks, Richard. Well, this is the fourth week of Advent, and so as Pastor Paul has mentioned uh, and we sang about, and also as well as we just heard read, it is the focus on the theme of peace. As Jesus is the peace himself, and as the scriptures say, and Jesus said using his own words on John 16, 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33, the words of Christ, Jesus. So in this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we remember the first Advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and anticipate his second coming with great hope, we light this candle of peace. And there's something about just staring at flame. It just kind of gives you peace. It's like the light brings peace into our hearts. And next week we'll be... uh, culminating everything as we remember the birth of Jesus and the, his light as we light this fifth candle. And it's once every seven years we get to have worship together as a church on Christmas Day, something very, very special for us. Well, during Christmas time, we remember the story of Jesus' birth. And if you can throw up the slides now for the, the message. Uh, we've heard this story time and time again. If we've been, uh, we grew up in a, as a, in a Christian faith, attending church services on Sundays and then especially on Christmas, we hear of the Jesus being born as a child in the manger with the animals and the angels proclaiming to the shepherds out in the fields that were nearby Bethlehem where Jesus was born and they say, whoops, And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
And you see here, there's a direct relationship to the glory of God and peace. And thus the, the message title today is Glory and Peace. Imagine what the world would be like if everyone in the world lived with the sole intent to glorify God. Boy, that, that would change things. I think peace would be experienced so, so prevalent everywhere we go if everyone's sole intent was to glorify God. But the question today is, is, is your heart at peace? Would you think of this past week and think, is there anything this last week that stole your peace away? Where you, you just didn't have peace for some reason? Peace is something that the world does not experience. Think of it, wars and genocide and human trafficking and child prostitution and unemployment and slavery even are just some issues of the world. And peace is what people long for, but people just don't know how to achieve it. It escapes people. Peace can mean a freedom from disturbance, a state of tranquility like looking into the fire in your fireplace and it's mesmerizing, right? It's, it's that state of tranquility. For example, to hold one's peace means to what? It means to remain silent, right? To not speak out. And did you know that New York City has a law against car alarms? If your car alarm in New York City goes off more than three minutes, you may receive a heavy fine if someone calls 311 and complains about it. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah, in New York City, that's a law. They're trying to, you see, the keep to peace means to maintain order and law. That, that brings peace into a community and a society. Consider how much a government either provides a sense of peace or a lack of it and how it promotes order or disorder. You know, think of the different countries around the world. The Peru right now, it's in chaos because the government is in disorder. And so there is a lack of peace in that country. World peace is something everyone wants, but no one knows how to get it and achieve it. The United States, for example, in 1961, started what they call the Peace Corps. It's a, a, it's a federal organization from our government that was started by John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy, back in 1961, and it and it is made specifically to make and promote peace and friendship around the world. And it does this by taking American volunteers and training them and then sending them out around the world to developing countries on projects for techno technological, agricultural, and educational improvement. And the idea is to spread peace in the world by just bringing a little bit more order to different parts of the world. That's the concept of the Peace Corps. Interesting, they called it the Peace Corps. Order and law are very important parts of peace. In other words, for you and I to have peace, we must have confidence that our life will not experience some th tragedy that's going to destroy us, like take us out, because then we wouldn't have any peace if we saw that that was looming over us. You know, disorder just meaning something that will affect our life in a destructive way. And this is why insurance is so important, right? Insurance is to kind of give us that security that no matter what happens, at least it's not going to minimize the effect of how it's destructive it's going to be on us. So, I mean, for example, look at this commercial 
and what it's advertising. Go ahead and throw that video up there. Maybe you've seen it. Turn it up. Zero to obsessed in like three days. After riding 12 miles nowhere, I'm taking a detour. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, you could be working out a way to pay for this yourself. Get Allstate and be better protected from mayhem for a whole lot less. I'm a f so you, you see, what is this an uh, ad for? Insurance, home insurance, in a funny, memorable way, they hope. But we seek peace by getting insurance to protect our purchases from either theft or malfunction. You know, every time you buy something, they say, hey, would you like to pay a little extra to get this insurance for you the next one or three years or whatever you're willing to pay for? We have health insurance and home insurance and car insurance and life insurance and credit insurance and earthquake insurance and flood insurance and terrorist insurance. Did you know that? You could get terrorist insurance if you wanted, you know, if you're traveling and you're worried about that. Yeah, insurance gives us this kind of inner peace a little bit because we know that if something happens, at least it's going to minimize the effect it's going to have on my life. And so this gives us a little sense of security and we feel protected and therefore we have more peace. But what insurance do we have spiritually? What insurance, what protection is available to us that we can trust on the spiritual realm of things? And that is... Peace comes with trust in a sense that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. And that's the peace that we all desire, isn't it? Well, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words on behalf of the Lord God, and that's our text in Isaiah 9, prophesizing, prophesizing that the birth of this Savior child is coming and that will be he will be the prince of peace coming. And, and, and if we look at that, that text, whoops, if we look at that text in a minute, <laughs> um, our focus today is going to be on Jesus as the prince of peace, which is that last phrase uh, in that text. But before, I want to talk about this idea of peace in the sense of the Old Testament, which you just saw there, and now it's not working. Oops, okay, we're fighting each other. There we go. And shalom. This is the Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament for the word peace. We translate it as peace in English, but it's shalom in Hebrew, the original text, uh, the original language of the Old Testament. And it signifies more than just what we understand as peace, tranquility in English. It, simplif it, sim uh, it means a completion. It's more of like a perfection. Biblical shalom means well-being uh, or prosperity, not just tranquility. Prosperity is more than that. Uh, the word shalom pictures this health and wholeness. It denotes a harmony and completeness of life. So to have shalom is not only to have a quiet life, but it is to be fulfilled in every single way. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it sure sounds good. Shalom is the word and concept then that Jesus would have been using whenever he spoke about peace and the peace that he himself brings. And listen to the words of Jesus then in John 14, 27. This is not... Okay, there we go. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. 
I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That last statement there is already saying, my peace will calm your troubled hearts and whatever fears you have if you trust in me, the Prince of Peace. So our text in Isaiah 9 verse 6 refers to this Savior child as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, which is our theme for today because today we will focus on Jesus, the Savior child, as the Prince of Peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace, meaning he establishes peace. Now, he does not just make possibility of peace, like maybe it'll happen. No, he makes it a reality in the here and now. He brings peace. He is himself the peace. And the scriptures reveal that Jesus does this in at least three ways, many ways, but I'm just going to focus on three of them today. So first, Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, establishes peace between God and people. And this is at the core of the good news of the gospel. Jesus reconciled people with God, the Father, through his death on the cross and his resurrection to life. And we may believe that, you know, as long as I don't do anything really bad and that I complement that with doing some good things, that God might then accept me into his heaven. It's kind of like a balance, right? If my good outweigh my bad, then, then maybe God will accept me into heaven. And, um, but the Bible absolutely does not teach this concept anywhere in its text. Nowhere. It comes from a very worldly thinking that we think we can do enough good things. Because instead, the Bible says, and hopefully you've seen this before, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This means that all, that all people, no matter how good, will fall short of God's presence, being in, able to be in his presence in heaven for eternity. Because we are not good, brothers and sisters. You are not good. I am not good because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And it's kind of like Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said later on in 64, 6. He says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins just sweep us away. And notice who's writing this, right? It's Isaiah, the prophet, and he, look, he's inclusive. All of us. Who are, uh, we are, you know, our sins. He's including himself in that because everyone falls short. And this, you know, it's important to note that this means all are sinners, but it's not meant to be an excuse like we often use it. Like, you know, well, I can't help it. Everyone sins. I'm just human. All humans make mistakes. You know, we, how often do we say that or think that? But God holds each of us responsible for each of the wrongs that you and I do. So we may like to call sins mistakes, but they're not mistakes. They're willful disobedience to the Lord God. God holds us each responsible because we see that in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Started with Adam and Eve, right? If you, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God offers people the gift of forgiveness for our sins through placing our trust in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And then he, because of what he has done through his death on the cross, taking on himself, 
what we deserve because of our wrongdoings, our sin, and paying that, redeeming us, then now when we trust in him, he brings peace to, between people and God, the Father. Because he's taken that on himself. He's our redeemer with his life. You know, it's it, the story that I heard of a guy named Timothy Elliott in 2007. He's an ex-convict. And the interesting thing is he won the Massachusetts lottery back in 2007. This is, this is him there. Oh, yeah. And so he pur- that's the ticket he purchased. But by purchasing the ticket to participate in the lottery, he broke his, his probation. Because of his crimes that he committed, he was prohibited to participate in anything in any form of gambling. And the lottery is considered gambling. So he, yes, it is. And by purchasing this ticket, he broke his probation. So, you know, that's pretty serious when you're on probation. So the argument was that Timothy Elliott should not be allowed to receive his winnings, which was about a million dollars. He wasn't the big winner, but he was one of the littler winners. And, uh, and so be, mainly because of the crimes he had committed before and because he committed this crime of breaking his probation to play the lottery. But in the end, the judge determined that Timothy Elliott could keep his winnings because even though he had broken his probation by playing the lottery, there was no law preventing him from winning the lottery. So he, he looked at the law and he decided that. And I, I was thinking of this because the same in a, in a way applies to us that we, despite our sinful past, now can receive this wonderful gift of Jesus himself covering and taking on all the punishment for our sin. It's like a gift. It's like winning the lottery. That Jesus says, despite your past, you are able to win. You've received this gift of grace I have for you because of what I've done for you. Our sin stains our life, but we can, that we can never wash away that stain. We're, we're stained. All of us are stained. But Jesus has the stain remover. He is the stain remover and he's the only one that can remove that stain and then now in the sight of God, you and I are clean and, and perfect because of Christ's blood that washed our sin away. Jesus establishes peace between God and people. And then secondly, we see that Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, establishes peace in a person's heart. So it's not only between people and God, but it actually calms our heart. It brings tranquility to our hearts. So again, I ask you, is your heart troubled today for some reason? Do worry, discouragement, fear, anxiety about something grip our hearts, cause us to stress for some reason? Because the peace that Jesus gives, that he is, can alleviate those things in our hearts. He promises to do that. And when we commit ourselves to follow Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, dwells within us mysteriously. It's, he is with us and he is in us. And he establishes the peace of Christ in our hearts. This does not mean that Jesus takes away our troubles. Get that out of your mind. Jesus even said otherwise. He said, you're going to have lots of troubles in this world if you follow me. But... He will give you a peace of heart in the midst of the turmoil, the conflict, the stress, and even the sickness that we will face. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 
1 through 3. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You see, we experience peace of heart when you think about it. If we have a home to go to, a home full of love and acceptance and, a, and safety, like coming home from the holidays after you've been in school, say, for college, or, or returning home after a long business trip or a long vacation, or maybe just coming home after a hard day of school or work. It should bring some level of peace to us because we know we have a safe place to go home to. And likewise, we can have peace of heart because Jesus has prepared a home for us to follow, for us who follow him. What will it look like, this home that he says he's prepared a room for us in his father's house? Will it look like this? Like we envision a mansion on earth or maybe like this, the pool, we can, and it's warm because of the palm trees there, right? We, whatever, whatever, this is just our worldly imagination of what it will be. But Jesus is saying that he himself will prepare this home for us. And in John 14, Jesus is speaking of the age to come. After he returns and the new age will begin completely fulfilled and the kingdom of God will come and be on earth and established in fullness where now we are only getting a, a foretaste in a sense. In a sense, there is this transition period, and I've mentioned this before, of the kingdom of God being already here, but not yet fully here because we're waiting and anticipating the second advent of Jesus, his return. So it's this, like this diagram. If you look, the old age and then Jesus' first advent when he was born, which ushered in the kingdom of God. That was his message, right? The kingdom is near, you know, repent. And so now we're in this transition period where the new age is breaking in with the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to live righteously for him. But also the old age is still here with all the sin and wars and all that is still. And now when Jesus comes back, the old age will cease and be no more and the new age will continue forever and ever. So the peace of heart that Jesus gives is this knowledge of the home that we have prepared for us to go to no matter what we're facing now because we will have this home waiting for us in this age to come. So will we need insurance at that time? Will we need home insurance or health insurance? No, we won't need any of that stuff. Our security is in the Lord himself and what he has accomplished on the cross, providing a way for us to move past our wrongs because of what he has done. Praise God. If we follow Jesus, we have a home prepared for us to go to for eternity. A home waiting to greet us warmly, though, needs to have relationships that are secure and loving. Because who wants to go home to a family that is full of chaos and tension and arguing and even abuse? That's not a kind of home we're looking forward to going to. <laughs> no, that's this assumption that home is a place of safety and love and acceptance. And our Heavenly Father welcomes us and desires us to listen to our concerns and requests, just as the Apostle Paul reminds us that if we're anxious, if we're in turmoil, if our heart lacks peace, then what are we to do? Well, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And then what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because we are, in a sense, focusing and having the peace of God, Jesus himself, remind us of all these truths. And when we know our relationship with our Heavenly Father is secure through faith in Jesus, then our hearts will be at peace. You know, there's a time in my life when I was in middle school and I remember my parents had a really serious fight. Now, you have to understand, in my home, my parents never fought in front of us kids. But they did this time. And I remember it very clearly. It was an all-out fight. Um, I remember this time when they did, my dad was very loud, and it ended up where he stormed out of the house, and he slammed that door as hard as he could when he left. And my mom was so upset, she just ran into her bedroom and shut the door. And I even remember, like, knocking on the door to see if she was okay, and she just said, leave me alone. And she had locked the door. I couldn't get in. And, and as a child in middle school at that point, I was totally without peace. I, my home did not feel secure. I, I had no peace at all. I was in turmoil inside. My heart was troubled. And it felt like, even though my mom and dad were fighting with each other, that it was threatening the relationship that I had with each of them. So I had no peace at all at that moment. And it just burned in my mind, and I still remember it, it really shook me up for a while. My home did not feel secure at that moment. But my mom and dad, they did make it up, make up and figure it out. But, you know, I never forgot because it was so unsettling. That feeling of insecurity stole away my peace. Now, in the same way, without trusting in the relationship that we have with our Creator, our loving Father, we will never have inner peace. Never. Until that is reconciled, until we are secure in that relationship that our Heavenly Father loves us so dearly that we can trust in Him. There's nothing we can do to mess up that relationship. But, you know, there's that heartbreaking moment in the Garden of Eden when God was coming to the earth to walk in the cool of the day and commune with Adam and Eve, but instead of running to meet him as good friends do, Adam and Eve hid in the, gar- in the Garden of Eden and covered themselves up because of their disobedience had destroyed this relationship of peace with their heavenly father. It was destroyed. And instead of running to him, they ran away from him and hid out of shame. It, this, when we do not have peace with our creator, We do not have inner peace, period, of heart. And when our souls are conflicted, that turmoil naturally spreads to all the other relationships in our lives. So that lack of peace with our Lord God means a lack of peace with our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our friends, whatever. And so lastly, we see that Jesus brings peace to us on earth as the Prince of Peace. Now, it, it was mentioned earlier, but I, in our text in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, listen to this again. It, it states it there. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, 
establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now notice here that Isaiah says that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. No government will accomplish this. You and I can't accomplish this. Sometimes Christians we see are super active in in culture because they think that they themselves can bring the peace of God in society. And it's not. It's the zeal of the Lord himself. Not to mean we don't do those things, but if we start thinking like, hey, I'm going to save the world, then no, we're going to mess it up instead. Presently, the kingdom of God spreads one heart at a time because we're in this transition period, remember. And, and somebody has said, the kingdom of God only spreads right now at the speed of relationship because it transfers from one heart to another. But when in the second advent of Jesus, when he comes back, it's going to be here in reality. And if you're not part of it, then you will be ushered into an existence that's outside the presence of God for eternity and his kingdom. And that is called hell. You will exist in hell for eternity if you choose not to follow the Lord God and invite the peace of God into your heart. Now listen to how Isaiah describes this new age. It's an amazing picture of the new age to come when the kingdom of God is on earth. It gives us some details here. It says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, you, and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is just a glimpse of what the new age is going to be like. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will reign in harmony with all those who have placed their faith in him as Lord and Savior. And those who choose not to will again be put outside this reality and what God has determined as hell. You know, there's a story of a painting that pictured perfect peace. And let me describe it to you. And I want you to just imagine it as I describe the painting. It's a tumultuous waterfall cascading down a rocky cliff. And you can almost feel its cold, penetrating spray on you. And then stormy gray clouds threatening to explode with lightning and wind and rain. And in the midst of this thundering noises and the bitter chill, a skinny little tree clings to the rocks at the edge of the falls. And one of its branches of this skinny tree reaches out in front of the falls, almost like it's trying to reach out to the torrential waters. If foolishly experiencing, trying to seek to experience its full power of the waterfalls, but not quite there. And a little bird has built this nest in the corner, in the elbow of that branch that's reaching out to the waterfalls. And it, this little bird is sitting undisturbed on her storm, in the stormy surroundings. She rests on her eggs and she manifests this just peace, this peace in the midst of a great turmoil. This is how somebody has tried to imagine this. Are you experiencing peace today? Do you think of your life and you just go, ah, or is it more like, 
(laughs) How are you? How's your heart today? Is Jesus the Prince of Peace filling you with his peace as you look to him? Or are you looking at like, oh, I got to do this before that. Oh, I got these tests coming up in finals this week. I got I to do this. And oh man, work is such, so hard now. My boss is on my case. And you know, all that. Is that getting into you? Is that distressing you? Jesus promised in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It's not coming up. If you could forward it for me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus is the only one where we will find rest, and he knew it. And if you look at the scriptures, rest is a big deal, and I'll be speaking in this next year, early next year, but rest is so important, but it's tied to this idea of peace, having peace in the Lord God himself. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, But are you looking to him and following him or are you just going to follow life in your own way? Saying, yeah, I don't need fellowship. I don't need to go to Sunday school. I don't need to learn about the word of God. I'm just going to do this. I'm too busy to do all that stuff. I got to do this and this and then yet you're stressed and anxious and all this because you're not experiencing the word of peace coming into your heart. My sisters and brothers in Christ, hear the word of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let's pray. Lord, we all confess. We struggle with this. Yes, you are the Prince of Peace, and yet so often our hearts lack that peace. And we know, Lord, it's because we take our eyes off you. We try to put our hearts and our value in the things of the world or our own achievements or we put too much value in our failures and we hang on to those and think we're so bad and we're worthless or we're, we're ugly or whatever it is, Lord. We, we let these things steal our peace. Lord, may your light shine and rid us of that inner darkness and help the joy and the peace and the love and the hope that we can have in you only fill our minds and hearts, especially today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.